So it's rebuilding time. And truthfully, it's going to be a minute. Because when we look at our world and we look at our culture today, what we realize is that there's a lot of rebuilding to do. Culturally, relationally, emotionally, even financially, it's rebuilding time. And so we've turned our attention as a church to a story about rebuilding out of the Bible. It's the story of Nehemiah, found not surprisingly in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. But before I jump into that, I want to take a second. I want to just say thank you to Carson and to Dan for preaching over these last two weeks. First of all, I just want to say thank you for being so real, for showing us that there really is hope in the midst of hurt. And secondly, on a more personal note, I want to thank you. You know, we talk about the fact that it's rebuilding time for the world, but it's also rebuilding time for us individually. And I said a few weeks ago that 2020 has kind of left me feeling sad, overwhelmed, and exhausted. And it doesn't mean, by the way, that I'm not grateful. Like I look back over the last six months as a church, and I think we've had an Ephesians 3 verse 20 moment that God has done abundantly more than we ever could have imagined. And that's so true, and I am so grateful. And it doesn't mean that I'm not uh, proud. Like I'm proud to be a part of this church called Southside, this group of world changers that have asked these two questions, if not us, who, and if not now, when? I love it. We've stepped up instead of stepping back. And it doesn't mean that I'm not expectant. Like, I really do believe that the best is still yet to come. But having said all that, personally, kind of got feeling sad, overwhelmed, and exhausted. And these last two weeks, Carson and Dan, you gave me a chance to step back for a bit and find some silence and find some rest, and I really do appreciate it. So I want to take a second today, and I want to look at kind of the first nine chapters of the book of Nehemiah. What I want to suggest to you is that if we look carefully at the story of Nehemiah so far, what we'll see is we'll see that there are three C's of rebuilding. The three C's of rebuilding. And what they are is they are compassion, cooperation, and connection. So let's start here. Let's start with compassion. Because if you open up to the uh, story of Nehemiah, one of the first things you see is you see is compassion, right? Nehemiah is living in Susa, the capital of the Persian empire. He's living a life of privilege. He's the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, living in the palace. And yet when he hears about uh, the suffering of his Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, Nehemiah is filled with compassion. When he finds out that the walls of Jerusalem are down and the people are afraid, anxious, and vulnerable, Nehemiah begins a 1,200-kilometer journey from the palace of Susa to the broke-down walls of Jerusalem. And what I want to suggest to you and what I want to suggest to me and what I want to suggest to us is this, that if we want to live the life that we were created to live, we need to take that same journey from the palace of Susa to the broke-down walls of Jerusalem. It's a journey of compassion. What I'm saying is that if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to live a fulfilled life, if you want to live a meaningful life, if you want to live a life full of purpose, you need to have compassion. It's really important. Like Jesus said it this way, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's interesting to think, by the way, that Jesus didn't step into human history with a series of cold words and secret handshakes to get into his club. Jesus stepped into human history with a very simple mission, that he would give us an abundant life that starts now and stretches into eternity. And Jesus said, one of the ways that you step into that abundant life is through compassion. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, here's what Jesus is saying, that when you, when you love your neighbor as yourself, when you show compassion, you will bring blessing and you will be blessed. That you will bring fulfillment and you will be fulfilled. 
that you will bring meaning and you will find it, that you will, uh, you will rebuild and you will be rebuilt through your rebuilding. Compassion. It's hard in our world in September of 2020 to have compassion though, isn't it? I think there's two reasons. I think that for a lot of us, we're fooled and for a lot of us, we're fatigued right now in September of 2020. First of all, I think one of the reasons that we can be fooled is that we can start to believe that, that if we portray an image on social media that makes it look like we're compassionate, that we actually are compassionate. In, in other words, if we share the right stuff, if we make the right statuses, if we create the right reputation that we are actually really woke, that that really makes us compassionate people and that we're really loving our neighbor. But what I want to suggest to you today is this, that love is not an image, love is an action. Let me say that again because it's really important. Love is not an image that you portray, love is an action. It's like someone, after Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, someone asked you, he says, well, who's my neighbor? And he told a story, he told the story of the good Samaritan. And Jesus talked about the fact that, that on the side of the road one day was a man who was bleeding and bruised and broken. And the first two people that walked by that broken man, they walked by and they said this, hey, be warm and well-fed. Thoughts and prayers, my friend. And they kept walking. That's not love. That's an image. Love is not an image. Love is an action. So when Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem were down and the gates were burnt, he prayed, God, please help the people of Jerusalem. And what was God's answer? Good idea, Nehemiah. I am going to help the people of Jerusalem. Now you go. So first of all, let's not get fooled into thinking that because we have a woke image and a great reputation of compassion that we've actually done anything. Love is not an image. Love is an action. But the second thing that this culture will do to you, the second thing this culture will do that will keep you from compassion is it will fatigue you. I want to suggest for you and me that we go on an information diet. That we go on an information diet. You might look at me and go, well, that's crazy. Like you can't get too much information. I would suggest that you can. It's like, let's say we went back 149 years. Okay, so let's say we went back to the summer of 1871 to right where I'm standing right now. Because in the summer of 1871, uh, British Columbia became a province of Canada. And, and imagine that we went back into the summer of 1871 when British Columbia was becoming a province and we said to somebody, there's going to be a day when you're going to have to diet the amount of food that you eat because there's going to be so much food out there that, 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 that you're going to become unhealthy if you eat all the food that's available to you. People would have thought you were crazy, but it's true, isn't it? Last week, Corinne and I went on a road trip to Fairmont Hot Springs. So I officiated a wedding on a Friday night, and then early, early Saturday morning, we woke up and we left. We didn't eat before we went, okay? So our plan was to stop in Kamloops and get something to eat. So we drove through to Kamloops, 
got to Kamloops, and we kind of got into road trip mode. We said, no, 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 we're on a roll now. Let's keep going. We're going to eat in Salmon Arm. But we got to Salmon Arm, and Corinne was sleeping. I was driving. She was sleeping. I didn't really want to wake her up. And, and so we drove through Salmon Arm. Shortly after we got out of Salmon Arm, Corinne says, are we almost at Salmon Arm? I said, we're already past it. Let's stop in Revelstoke instead. So we got to Revelstoke, okay? And when we get to Revelstoke, it's like every single citizen of British Columbia had decided to come to Revelstoke for lunch. There was lineups like around the block. So we kept going. We said, you know what? Let's stop in Golden instead. We got to Golden and we realized that we were wrong because not everybody in BC had stopped in Revelstoke. They had all chosen to stop in Golden instead. The lineups were even longer in Golden. So finally, nine and a half hours into our road trip, we got to Invermere, BC, and we pulled into a Tim Hortons. Nine and a half hours, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. We went through the Tim Hortons drive-thru and I got myself a sausage breakfast biscuit. Of course, amazing. You can't go wrong. Corinne got chilly and then she ordered an ice cap. She said, are you going to get an ice cap? And I thought, that's a good idea. And just about the time that I was going to order an ice cap, I glanced at the menu board and I saw something that I had never seen before, an Oreo ice cap. So I ordered a large and I liked it. What I mean is like, I really, really, really liked it. Like, I really liked it. Like, I liked it so much that the next day I said to Corinne, let's go find a Tim Hortons and get a large Oreo ice cap. And so I did. And so over the last 10 days, I probably... I probably had about eight. Now imagine going back to 1871 and saying to somebody, hey, (laughs) there's going to be this guy in 149 years named Mike Manis, and he's going to be drinking this 800 calorie beverage. 800 calories with shockingly almost no nutritional value. And he's going to actually have to wean himself off of the 800 calorie beverage because he needs to diet himself. What I want to suggest is for you and me, Uh, too much information is becoming unhealthy. Here's something that maybe you don't know about you. You you were born, you were made, your soul was created to care for about 12 people. And your soul was created to care about between 120 and 150 people, about the size of a village. I want you to think about something for a second because sometimes you wake up in the morning and you pick up your phone and you start to scroll. And what you realize really quickly is that there's a lot of bad stuff going on in our world, correct? Like there's famines and there's floods and there's fires and there's tornadoes and there's hurricanes and there's earthquakes and there's a pandemic, did you hear? And there's sickness and there's suffering and there's racial injustice and there's protest and there's people yelling at each other and hating each other. And here's the problem that you need to understand is that there are hundreds of thousands of people in our world who are employed for one purpose, to find bad news to send to you. Let me say that again, because I really think you need to understand that there are hundreds of thousands of people in our world and they are employed for one purpose to find bad news and send it to you because the more that they can panic you, the more that they can scare you, the more that they can anger you, the better. So I want to say again to you, so you, you woke up and you scrolled and in three minutes, You found all of that bad stuff. And yet you're a person who was born to care for about 12 people and care about 150 people. Well, now you hit what sociologists call compassion fatigue. It's a word that's been used a lot in 2020 because as a culture, I think we're hitting this point where almost everybody has some semblance of compassion fatigue. 
And what compassion fatigue is, it's this part of you that says, man, I can't fix everything for everyone, so I'm not going to do anything for anyone. It's this state of spiritual paralysis that hinders our compassion. So what I think you need to do, honestly, is I think you need to go on an information diet. I have. Don't pick up your phone first thing in the morning. Don't do it. Spend some time in prayer. Talk to a God who, even when the world feels out of control, is actually in control and invite him into your day. Spend some moments of silence just being grateful. Listen to a song of worship that glorifies God. And when it comes to information seeking, I don't know, once every couple days, It's because here's the truth that you're going to realize when you get away from your scrolling for a moment, you're going to realize that even though you can't fix everything for everyone, you know what? You need to do something for someone. I want to go back to that story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told because I believe in that story. He shows us who we should be caring for, who we should be showing compassion to, who we should be loving. It's just the people you bump into in life. God's faithful. He's not going to rob you of the chance to be compassionate. You need to love the people that you bump into in your life. So if you're single, that means you're close friends. If you're married, you can start with your spouse. You're going to bump into them all the time. (laughs) If you're a parent, it's your kids. And also, just like in the story of the Good Samaritan, every once in a while, you'll be walking along through life and God will put somebody on your heart, will bring someone to your attention, and you need to show compassion to them. Here's the thing. the, The journey to a life worth living, the journey to a blessed life and a purposeful life and a fulfilling life is a journey from a cat, a palace in Susa to a broken down wall in Jerusalem. It's about compassion. So the first C of rebuilding is compassion. And the second is cooperation. Let me just put it this way. Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and he realizes, man, I can't build this wall on my own. So he assembles a team. Can I tell you something about you? The life that you were born to live, the difference that you were born to make, I've said this so many times before, it's way bigger than you can make on your own. So if you're an introvert, you need a team. If you're an extrovert, you need a team. If you're young, you need a team. If you're old, you need a team. Just like Nehemiah had, he built a team, and through all kinds of adversity, they built this wall through cooperation. And when the wall is built and the gates are hung, there's this big celebration and, and the priests get up and, 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 and they tell a story. And I want, want to read it for you out of Nehemiah chapter nine. Listen to this. You alone are the Lord, talking to God now. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life to everything. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. By day, you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way that they were to take. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets. For many years, you were patient with them. By your spirit, you warned them through your prophets. Yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us 
on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. In all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully. So I want to talk today about the three C's of rebuilding. Number one is compassion. The journey to a blessed life is a journey of compassion. Number two, cooperation, that the story that you were meant to tell with your life is bigger than you can tell on your own. And here's the third C, connection. Isn't it amazing here? The priest stands up and, 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 he, and he talks about their shared story. There's so much connection in a shared story. And so often when you read in the Old Testament, you see Jewish people, even to this day, the story that they share the most is the story of the Exodus. And what an amazing story it is, right? That the, the people of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. They were enslaved and suffering. They cried out to God and through a series of miracles, God delivered them from slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land into freedom. And he offered to lead them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But the people of Israel, instead of walking the 12-day journey straight to the promised land through disobedience and dissension and doubt, they wandered away from God's leading and they wandered around in the desert for 40 years until finally they got to the edge of the promised land and God said, I'll give you every place you set your foot. Now go. And that's connection. That's their shared story. And what I want to suggest to you as I kind of close today is I want to suggest to you that we all have a shared story and that we're all connected with that shared story. And in some, way, in some ways, it reminds me of the stories of the Exodus. So here's the first part of our shared story. We've all been to Egypt. We've all been to Egypt, right? Like for you and me, we look around this world and we know there's, there, there's parts of this world that are so beautiful, but there's parts that are so broken. We look around our world and we see sunshine, but we also see suffering. We see some parts of our world that are so dependable and yet other parts that are so uncertain. We've all been to Egypt, right? I remember back in April of 2019, Corinne and I flew down to Palm Springs shortly after we had uh, done our Easter services for that year. We have a couple friends who have a beautiful home down in Palm Springs and they said, hey, why don't you go down for about 10 days and just get some R&R? &R? And we said, man, that's a great idea. Thank you. So we flew down to Palm Springs and um, we we rested. We were, we were there to rest. You know, it, it wasn't just the Easter services, by the way. It was the fact that um, April of 2019 kind of marked uh, the beginning, the launch of a two-year expanded vision at this church called More. That really, we set a goal that for two years, we wanted to bring more help, more hope, and more home to this city than we ever had before. So we set this audacious, unprecedented goal for our church that we would, uh, we, we would bring in $6.5 million over two years to achieve that. And it's so amazing when I look back at that now, because really what that was, was that was us as a church coming together and deciding to take a journey from the palace of Susa to the broke down walls of Jerusalem. That was a journey of compassion, wasn't it? We, we, we came together to the realization that the answer to the question, what are we here for? 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 The answer to that question is we're here for this city. Today, tomorrow, and for generations to come, we're here for this city. That's why we're here. To bring help and hope and home today, tomorrow, and for generations to come. 
It was so amazing because we came together and, 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 and we pledged to bring more help, more hope, and more home than ever before. And you might be wondering, well, how are we doing? You know, just over a year in now, with all the quarantines and all the lockdowns and all the disruption, are we on track to reach that $6.5 million goal? And here's the truth, with all the distraction and the disruption and the quarantines, we're not. We're not on track to bring in $6.5 million. We're on track to bring in $7 million. Because that's who we are. We know we can't do everything, but we also know that we're going to do something. Someone talk to you for a second. Have you stepped up? Are you helping? Because I will tell you this, um, the, the, the journey to a blessed life, the journey to fulfillment, the journey to meaning and purpose and joy in your life is a journey of compassion. And I know you can't do everything, but I'm wondering today if you'd be willing, you and your family, you and your friends, would you be willing to get together and make a pledge to do something? That would be awesome. So anyways, we get down to Palm Springs in April of 2019, and I remember about two hours after we landed, I checked my phone and I realized that I had multiple missed calls from our son, Lucas. I still remember where I was standing, by the way, because I reached out and I got a hold of him right away, and I was standing uh, on a sidewalk beside the Apple store in Palm Springs, California. And when I got a hold of Lucas, what I found out is that Andrew Milner had died. So Andrew Milner was uh, not only Lucas's, but also uh, our son Gabe's. Well, he, Andrew was one of their best friends. He had drowned in a canoeing accident. And I remember standing there on the sidewalk and it felt surreal and it actually still does. That this 21-year-old kid, so full of joy, so full of hope, so full of life and encouragement and enthusiasm was gone. And so our 10-day trip radically changed in that moment. I remember so many nights over those 10 days that Corinne and I would be sitting in the backyard of this beautiful place in Palm Springs. And we both have our phones open and one of us would be FaceTiming Lucas and Lexi in Calgary. And the other would be FaceTiming uh, Gabe and the rest of the family in Chilliwack. And sometimes no one talked for a long time. It was just quiet. We were just trying to find strength by being together. And I remember on about day three of that vacation, I want to go out and enjoy the, the pool area in the backyard. I said to Corinne, could you put some sunscreen on my back? She said, sure. And so she was putting sunscreen on my back. And, and somewhere along the line, she goes, oh, wow. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, wow. She's like, well, the, this mold does not look good. You need to get this checked out as soon as we get home. Okay, so uh, already to that point in the trip, I had not been sleeping real well. But in that moment, what began for me was something that I would refer to as the 2 a.m. terrors. The 2 a.m. terrors. And it wasn't so much this thought of, like, I'm so scared about this mole. It was this realization, this crushing realization that although we look around the world and there are so many things that we can depend on, the truth is there's uncertainty in this world. There's uncertainty in this world. And we were just coming out of walking with our dear Maddie Hardy as she battled cancer and won. But it was this thought of like, man, bad things really do happen to good people. And kind of to top off that whole 10 days, there, there was someone in my life, someone who had been a, a really good friend 
for years and years and years, and we had walked through a lot of things together. And it was kind of right around that time that they decided that they didn't want to be my friend anymore, which is funny. It sounds like kind of like a great two statement to make, doesn't it? And it kind of hurts in grade two, but it sort of hurts when you're older too, because the older you get, the more you realize that old friends are really, really precious. Now, I tell you all that because you've been there, right? Like you, you, you've been to Egypt, right? Like, and, and here's the truth, right? Like, I understand that, 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 that I'm absolutely certain that Andrew Milner and Lucas and Gabe and all of us are going to be reunited again, for sure. I have that hope, and it's rock solid. But it's interesting in this world because you can have hope, and it can still hurt, right? Oh, and about the mole. The mole checked out fine. But here's the thing, right? Um, you and me, like, you are a soul. You are an eternal soul. But in this moment of time, you live in this temporal body, and you're never going to wear out, but that body's not. Or, but that body is going to wear out one day, and that's hard to take. And that's the uncertainty that we live with. Do I have faith that one day uh, we're going to get new bodies, and we're going to live forever, and it's going to be awesome, and there's going to be no sickness at all? I have rock-solid faith in all of that, but you can have faith and still feel fear, right? We've all been to Egypt, haven't we? And when I think about Maddie Hardy and how bad things do happen to good people, I'm absolutely certain that one day, one day, Jesus is going to wipe every tear from our eye. There's going to be no more sickness and no more pain and no more mourning and no more death. I am absolutely certain that that's going to happen one day. And I can have that certainty about one day, but I can still struggle this day, right? Like we've all been to Egypt, haven't we? And when I look ahead to heaven, I think to myself, man, one of the coolest things about heaven is that the people that are going to be there from every era, from every nation, from every language, with every skin color, we're going to be there together in perfect unity. But it doesn't change the fact that while that day is exciting, this day can still be painful and hard. And so the truth is we live in a world of fear and we live in a f world of loss and we live in a world of fracture. That's our shared story. Like Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and what I'm absolutely convinced of is this, guys, we can't take heart on our own. We have to take heart together because we're connected. Let, let me put that a different way. Be kind. Be kind, because everyone you meet, they really are fighting a great battle. That's our shared story. We've all been to Egypt. And the second part of our shared story is that we're all invited through the Red Sea. We're all invited through the Red Sea. There's two kinds of people watching this talk. And by the way, I would love it. I know it's Labor Day. I don't care. I'm excited about today. And, and if you have a chance to share this with anybody or, or to, uh, to tell anybody about this talk, I really believe it's important, and I would love it if you could do that. But, but I want to suggest to you that there's two kinds of people who are watching this today or tomorrow or a week from now or a year from now. One of the types of people who are watching are people who have been invited to walk through the Red Sea into freedom. 
And the second group of people are the people who have accepted Jesus' invitation to walk through the Red Sea into freedom. And the truth is, for those of us who have accepted that invitation through the Red Sea of salvation, we know that it's not because we're some wave-walking wonders or, for, or some sea-striding superstars. We know that it's because of Jesus, that Jesus came and Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. Because you know what? In 2020, there's one thing I realize: I cannot handle the baggage and the regrets of my past to be dragging those things around with me too. And that Jesus rose again so that we can have strength for today and hope for tomorrow and the promise and the insurance of eternity. That's all what Jesus did. And there's a connection in that, isn't there? Because here's what I know, that everyone that you know today and everyone that you will ever know Every time you look at them, you need to remember this. You need to find this connection. You need to look at them and realize that Jesus loves them. And Jesus died for them. And Jesus rose again for them. So we have this shared story. We've all been to Egypt. And we're all invited through the Red Sea. And the third part of our shared story is that we're all prone to wander, aren't we? Jesus said it this way, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Even for those of us who have walked through the Red Sea as salvation, we are prone to wander. Like none of us are perfect. It reminds me of a a story about a preacher. Guy walked up to an old preacher one day and he says this, I would never go to your church. I would never come to your church. It's too full of hypocrites. And without skipping a beat, this old preacher looks at him and says, don't let that stop you. We can always make room for one more. Isn't that profound? Isn't that profound? We can always make room for one more. Here's the truth. We're all prone to wander. None of us are perfect. Like God leads us, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And yet, for every one of us, we have a tendency to wander off course. And what I want to suggest is that we can find connection in that. Not that we would walk around and pretend that we're all perfect or pretend that the other person is perfect, but we would come to this point in our lives that together, more and more and more and more and more together, we would follow that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night, the road to a blessed life. And I want to give you one more area that I think that we have a shared story that could bring us connection. I think God still promises us. I I think God still promises us that he'll give us every place we set our foot. That I believe that if we take a faltering step in the right direction, that God will honor that. And that God will use that. So can I make a suggestion today? Can we take some steps in the right direction today? September 6th, 2020. Here's one. Can we, can we take a step of compassion? And can, can we understand that it's not about an image, it's about an action? And can we understand that it's not about fixing everything for everyone, but can we all do something for someone today? Because I know the road to a blessed life for you is a road of compassion. So we need to put our foot down and take that step. And secondly, can we take a step of cooperation? Can we all just come to the realization, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're young or whether you're old, can we understand that the the life that you were born to live, the life that I was born to live, it's way too big for us to do on our own. And finally, can we take a step of connection? In a world right now that seems to be focused on everything that should be pulling us apart, can we decide that we're going to start looking at each other and ask what could be pulling us together? Connection. The three C's. The three C's of rebuilding. 
Number one, compassion. Here's the truth. As you rebuild others, you will be rebuilt. Number two, cooperation. The wall that you were born to build with your life is way too big for you to build on your own. And finally, number three, connection. Be kind. Every, everyone you know is sharing your story. Be kind. I want to end with a prayer. I want to invite you, you know, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, if you've never walked through the Red Sea of Salvation, what I'm telling you is on September 6, 2020, can I be honest with you? We can't afford to drive that, drag that baggage from our past and that fear from our future around any longer. There's enough to deal with today. And Jesus came and he died so that all your sins could be forgiven. And, and, and he rose again so that we can have hope for tomorrow, an abundant life that starts now and stretches into eternity. So if you've never invited Jesus' life, it's not about being a wave-walking wonder. It's about accepting his gift. If you've never done that, I invite you right now. I'm going to pray out loud. And wherever you are, in your living room, in your boat, in your car, in a coffee shop, I would just invite you to pray along with me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came and that you died and that you rose again. Today, humbly, I come before you and I just ask you to be my savior. I hand you all my sin and all my shame and all my baggage and I pray that you would take it and give me a clean slate. And Jesus, today, I also invite you to be my Lord. I pray that you would lead me with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, that step by step by step that I would walk into the blessed life that you've called me into today, tomorrow, and forever pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, by the way, if, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love it if you could let us know. And if you could text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E to 604-670-3040. Man, we'd love to connect with you. Because I know this for sure, this journey that we're living, this, this road that we're on, it's a shared story. And we can't do it alone. We need to do it together. And for the rest of you, man, I am so excited about this fall. I can't wait. Honestly, here we go, man. Like, here we go. The best is yet to come. We'll see you next week.